It's almost 2024 and you know what that means. Time to look back at the highs and lows of 2023. Campaign U.S. creative editor Sabrina Sanchez, reporter Bailey Kelfi, and myself gather around the mic to talk about our favorite holiday ads and the highs and lows of marketing in 2023. Hot takes on everything from brands Taylor Swift collabs to AB and Bev's botched partnership with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Also in this episode, we tease some upcoming coverage for 2024, including for the Super Bowl and our first conference taking place on February 27th, Campaign Convene. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, Editor-in-Chief of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, everyone. Happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, and everything in between. Indeed. So we have a special edition today. We're going to be talking about our favorite holiday ads. We're going to talk about which ones were our favorites, some of our holiday ads of the week, and much, much more, including the most memorable campaigns of the year for better or for worse. Let's just jump right in. I don't know about you guys, but I saw a lot of different holiday ads in my inbox. I was a little flooded. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a little bit Christmas out. Not gonna lie, I put up my Christmas tree. In you started October. early. Your Christmas out, Sabrina. <laughs> You're the most festive person I know. You started like right when Mariah Carey was defrosted. So I think that you're probably just like you started too early. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I actually started two days before Mariah Carey. I mean, I, it was Halloween <laughs> and my Christmas tree was up. Um, So since then, I've seen quite a lot of stuff, uh, starting with Mariah Carey's holiday announcement. She defrosted from the ice, and I think that was our first holiday ad of the week. And one of my personal favorites, because she's the queen of Christmas. But for those of you who don't know, Mariah Carey came out of the icebox on November 1st. And she basically announced that Christmas is here and therefore everyone has the right to put up their Christmas trees. And so I wasted no time and mine was already up in anticipation. (laughs) Since then, it's been a whirlwind. So I actually wanted to start with, you know, maybe talking a little bit about some of the ads that you guys have seen or that have caught your attention. I know which ones I liked, but what were some of your favorites? Well, you guys all know I love the Apple ad this year. I thought it was so cute. And obviously the story was really heartwarming. It was a classic like Christmas Carol. You know, we had our Ebenezer Scrooge character and we had, you know, a woman who her boss was mean to her and she was creating these like beautiful, intricate stop motion puppet stories where he gets like hit in the face with a snowball and electrocuted by his Christmas lights. And then um, at the end, she befriends him and, you know, makes him a a little stop motion puppet dog as a friend in his in his little puppet world. So I thought the story was cute. I thought the stop motion was amazing. And I thought that, you know, as Apple typically does, their products were very like seamlessly integrated and 
into the story. So I love that one. I love the Mean Girls one because Mean Girls just speaks to my heart. And I'm not because I'm mean, <laughs> because that's a very formative movie of my my childhood slash early teen years. And well, maybe I am mean. I'm your guy's boss, so you can be the judge of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love that. I thought it was really smart for them to uh, reach millennials because millennials have kids. They have to buy a lot of holiday presents and um, it was just funny. They did a good job of like recreating scenes from the movie without compromising the storyline. They got a lot of the old actors to come back, um, although they didn't get Rachel McAdams or Tina Fey, which I which did not go unnoticed by me. But yeah, I thought that one was really fun. You're such a good mom. I'm impressed. And I'm Karen. We know. Yeah. Okay. And then I just wrote about another one for today, which is um, like a five minute film by Chevy, which... I'm typically not a fan of car ads because they tend to all be the same and I'm not really a car person. But um, this one was a really heartwarming story. It was a tearjerker for sure about this woman. She has Alzheimer's or some kind of other memory loss. And, you know, her granddaughter takes her for a ride around town. She starts remembering all these things about meeting her husband and, you know, being with the kids at a drive-in movie. And then she comes back and like has a moment with her husband where they remember each other and they're crying and I'm like about to cry thinking about it. So yeah, that was really sweet, I thought. <laughs> it's good to be together. <laughs> be careful. Right, you. Got Watch it. your step. You got it? I do. You I have, have it. All right. I have it. You've always been the clever one. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's go in. That is so much. There were a lot of ads this year that were like very tug on your heartstrings to the point where I'm just like, I can't. I can't anymore. Like the Teleflora one. I was like crying at my desk. (laughs) Yeah. They really went for the, the feels this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my favorites weren't so tear heavy. Um, I just like to cry. Yeah, right. I mean, it's that time of year, you know, I just got my sad lamp out. (laughs) Um, My personal favorite was the PetSmart ad, um, Mm. which it was basically like an advent calendar and every day basically was like a new room that showed a family or a person with their pet family or their fur babies. It was just really sweet. I mean, it. I think that it just played really well into like our pets are our lives, especially after the pandemic kind of like forced us all to be obsessed with everything that was just directly in our house. Like (laughs) I started having a bunch of hobbies that were like random and stupid. And I also became very, very attached to my cats and they light up my world. And I feel like this ad kind of captured that. Like we will do anything for our pets. Yeah. We love our pets at Campaign US. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. We do. We have a pets channel where we flood with photos. (laughs) Sabrina, what were your favorites? Oh, I had two favorites, but I did want to comment on Bailey's PetSmart one. Speaking of pet advent calendars, I found this creator. It's a dog's page. It's called Pops underscore the Dachshund on Instagram. And every day, this little sausage dog is opening 
is opening packages of Advent gifts. So if you want to see a small dog unbox things, I recommend That's like you go look at that. All I want to see. Yeah. Also, this PetSmart ad, we will be talking about Taylor Swift later on in this podcast. Um, but the PetSmart ad was directed by Drew Kirsch, who also directed the Lover music video, which kind of had a similar feel where like there's different rooms of different experiences. And I'm a Swifty, so I was very happy to find that out. That's true. Yeah, I did get to talk to the team behind that ad at Deutsch LA. And um, they also said that they had to selectively choose Corgi butts to see which one was the fluffiest. So oh my fun God. fact. That sounds like a really a really fun day at work, actually. Like truly dream job material right there. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my favorite ads, um, I really liked... The multicultural ads, I mean, you know, to no one's surprise. But um, I really enjoyed two things, the Disney A Wish for Your Holidays and then um, Kroger's Cuisine Exchange campaign. And both of those were really fun and cute because they kind of just highlighted people from different backgrounds. So Disney's A Wish for the Holidays, you know, was set to the tune of like Cinderella's A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes and like people from all over the world sang it in their own language as they were gathered with loved ones. And I was like, wow, I really love this. I just definitely felt myself reflected in them. So that's why I like that one. Cuisine exchange, not gonna lie, I might've shed a tear or two at the office, um, because that one was about, you know, a childless couple, they don't have kids, so they decide to host exchange students. And every every time that they have one, they kind of learn new traditions from that student, new foods and, and recipes, and they end up gathering later on all their students from throughout the years at their home for a holiday meal. And I was like, um, I might cry because, you know, I, I just think aside from the childless couple now having a, an adopted family, if you will. I think it was also nice to see how you can really incorporate people through a meal um, mm. and celebrate their traditions. And I, I'm sure that in real life, anyone that has exchange students knows that they tend to miss their families during the holidays. So, yeah, I really liked also um, the Kroger one also had a similar theme of just like gathering different people around a table and they connect over food and shared traditions. I mean, you know, it's not like the most original idea that food connects us, but I think it's really important to like send those messages right now because everyone's so divided. So I, I appreciated that. Yeah. And that was actually a part of this campaign as an extension of it. So they ended up doing a creator, sort of like a creator gathering um, with strangers and influencers. And they all gathered around this holiday table. They brought different dishes. They had people from different religions, backgrounds, even people that have disabilities and, you know, they kind of united all these differences at the holiday table. So that was a really nice extension of this campaign, too. One of the other things that I was doing while I was going through all of these holiday ads was thinking about some of the campaigns I've seen throughout the year, too. Right. We're coming up on the end of the year. We're getting into that time where everyone's wrapping up their pitches. They're wrapping up their campaigns. Next year, we got Super Bowl. <laughs> Sheds tear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> busiest time of the year. It's a lot. But um, it's a lot. But 
We did have some highlights. I'm sure Bailey has thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> we had some low lights. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had some highlights. We had some low lights. We had, you know, some really proud moments and some other not so proud ones. But I wanted to talk about the memorable campaigns of the year for better or for worse. You know, sometimes the stuff that sticks is not the stuff you want to stick. So let's talk about the better. I can think of a few that stick out in my memory from this past year that were really good, personally, that I thought. And one of those being actually, Allison, to your point, that Walmart Mean Girls ad was really good. Mm -hmm. I think that was definitely one of the highlights because... We've seen so much nostalgia this year, like just in general, starting from, you know, the beginning of the year with the Super Bowl. There was a lot of like nostalgia ads and people bringing back like Clueless and things with Roku and a lot of different IPs. But this was a really like well done ad in the sense that I feel like I like the fact that they extended the Mean Girls thing. Like they didn't just remake it. I was like, I kind of like seeing them grow up because aging is just such a normal process. And like. I'm not a teenager anymore, you know? <laughs> I'm certainly not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think I agree. I feel like they they continued the storyline and like did it in a really seamless way. And I also liked how they kind of dropped new episodes, you know, throughout the month so that there was like everybody kind of had their own little scene. Like we had Karen had her scene and like um, I liked seeing them become like their parents in the film like how Gretchen becomes like the uh Amy Poehler character I almost called her Leslie Nope <laughs> um I'm deep in a Parks and Rec rewatch re so <laughs> yeah <laughs> really you. so yeah I thought they did a really actually really good job with that um and I always appreciate when an ad can actually make me laugh so yeah it definitely felt yeah. like so true to the original that it like even somebody who is very aware of when they're being advertised to would like authentically want to watch that yeah and they were pretty shameless about the product placement and I think and I think that's funny yeah yeah it worked yeah yeah I will say though I did have one critique of this ad which is I think there was a little bit of a miss in that they could have run it in October you know what I mean like you're right. October 3rd mm. or maybe they could have on Wednesdays we wear pink yeah, yeah they could have hinted at it they did miss a few moments yeah, that was my only critique of that. Like, oh, this would have been so cool to run on October 3rd. But nonetheless, I think that one was a really engaging um, ad. And I saw a lot of chatter about it on LinkedIn and like social media in general. I think people really liked it. And also to your point, that shameless plug was part of the bit. So mm -hmm. it kind of made it, you know, a little tongue in cheek. So that was a highlight for this year. I would also say, I would argue that the Farmer's Dog Super Bowl ad is an unforgettable highlight of the year, even though that was in the beginning of the year. I'm gonna love you forever. Back to things that will, like, make us cry. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I... I think about that ad more often than I like to admit. <laughs> I was I was watching it and being like this. I'm sure that this makes Sabrina like cry at least once a day when yeah. you see Cujo. Yeah. Well, OK, so for our listeners, I have an elderly dog and his name is Cujo and he's 12 and he's also diabetic. So I cry hard. It hit home. 
I have a cat who's 18. So, and he's my soulmate. So, like, I was feeling a free feeling when just like a little old dog reuniting. Not reuniting. Yeah. But like, it's a simple story, but they did it really well, you know? Like, it's a simple truth. Everybody loves their pets, but I think they executed it in a way that, like, really struck a chord with people. And as a new brand in the Super Bowl, that's pretty good for them. Yeah. I think what was so well done about it was that, you know, people say, like, your pets or your dogs are, like, your lifelong best friend or your most loyal companion. But, like, here they are showing the actual, like, life cycle of a pet and you know, you're, you have them with you on, on your biggest milestones and like some of these special moments. And I don't think I've seen a pet ad that actually illustrates that, you know? So that was definitely a highlight. Definitely. There were other dog campaigns that I saw this year too, that I would say arguably carved a real, a real space in my heart. Cause there was also that Amazon Super Bowl ad Mm -hmm. where like you, you think that they're going to get rid of the dog and then they actually end up getting him a friend stop guys it's too much <laughs> life is brief but when it's gone life goes on and on that was definitely a highlight but yeah what were what were some of your highlights so i am obsessed with the grimace campaign from mcdonald's <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Like they completely nailed it. They tapped right into internet culture. Um, you know, they did what every brand wants, which is it took on a life of its own on TikTok and had its own TikTok trend. And I don't know. I just kind of like that. They like brought back this like fuzzy purple guy that like whatever he is, a monster. I don't know that like everybody forgot about and like just executed the humor in in such a way that it just really, I think, resonated with, like, the internet. He's yeah. apparently a taste bud. He's a taste bud? He's just a giant taste bud. Why allegedly. is he fuzzy and purple? I don't know. <laughs> what? I have to ask McDonald's. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Grimace. Uh, he, he cracked me up this summer, so thank you, Grimace. Thank you, McDonald's. Yeah. That was so fun. Like... Did you guys see the happy birthday, like old photos of Grimace? Yes. I, I love them. I saw the pictures of him drunk at his birthday party that I thought were really funny. <laughs> okay. That was like peak Gen Z culture right there. Like the old 90s looking photos in McDonald's. It was just so funny. Like you see Grimace as like a little a little taste bud and then you see him grow up and get get his license oh my god and it was it was just too much like also I will say like they really tapped into Gen Z humor with this one because I didn't understand the like purple shake trend at first of like people just <laughs> losing their minds and like I don't even know passing out from all the sugar in it going but feral I, yeah yeah, going feral, but it was just like afterwards, like I was like, yeah, this is this is very much on brand for yeah. this demographic. Yeah, I liked how they the how McDonald's just kind of like let that happen. I mean, they weren't glowing reviews of the shake by any means. They were kind of like some crazy things happen to you if you try this shake. <laughs> um, but I mean, nonetheless, it drove sales, I'm sure. And the like minimal reaction from McDonald's kind of allowed it to feel as 
organic as it possibly could. Yeah, they kind of let it take on a life of its own, which is hard for for a big brand like that to do sometimes. Um, I think if there was a mascot of the year for Campaign US, it's Grimace. (laughs) I would I would argue that's correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm particularly inclined to Hamburglar, but that's just me. Well, I think he's making a comeback. So stay tuned. Um, Yeah. Well, I also can't, you know, end the year without giving a shout out to my girl, Barbie. Oh, who turned the world completely hot pink this summer. And I feel like just the way that Mattel and Warner Brothers just like literally infused that movie into every single part of culture. It could have been felt like overkill, but it worked. And I don't know. I've never seen like a like a movie or a brand just like light up the world hot pink like that. So I think that was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, they had so many licensing agreements, but then even brands that didn't have licensing agreements with Barbie were like, here's everything pink that we have in the store. Let's Mm -hmm. bring it up to the front. It will get sold. It will be in alignment with Barbie to some extent. And yeah. everybody wanted to be a part of that. I mean, all summer, like everyone was wearing hot pink. I'd be surprised. When does the color of the year come out? Is it hot pink? No, it's it peach fuzz. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I disagree. <laughs> well, we need to I have like, we need to have like Pantone needs to do like a color of the year in review. They need to like the one for 2024 is peach fuzz. I don't remember what it was for this year, but they should do like color in review. Yeah, they should do color of the year prior. Yeah. You know, but anyway, Barbie was a flawless uh, marketing takeover of the of the universe. Yeah. I liked it making fun of itself as well. Yeah. Which helped them. And the movie was really good. So it was. Yeah. And then also like the Barbenheimer, Mm -hmm. like, you know, jokes. Yeah. That was so funny. Also, fun fact. But like when they filmed the movie, they literally caused a pink paint shortage. Speaking Mm -hmm. of color of the year. So, like, that's just iconic. Also, I kind of see things making a little bit of a resurgence now with Nicki Minaj's album release, Gag mm-hmm. City, you know, all the pink coming back. And obviously, you know, we need to queue up Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice Barbie World for the one time because <laughs> iconic music was part of the was part of the soundtrack. Like, the you know, all the different collaborations, over 100 brands. The budget for the marketing was almost the same as the budget for the movie itself. Like, wow. Could you imagine having that marketing budget? (laughs) No wonder they did such a good job. (laughs) Exactly. That was just that was just too iconic. Like, we'll see if anyone can ever replicate that. Well, I want to hear from Bailey on another iconic blondie. (laughs) My favorite Taylor Swift. (laughs) I mean, I think that this year has been brands wanting to align themselves with the blondies like all year like everybody wanted to be aligned with barbie somehow now everyone wanted to be aligned with taylor especially when she started dating travis kelsey and this seemingly ranch thing skyrocketed out of control i will explain it because it sounds probably ridiculous to the uninitiated um, <laughs> I think whoever's listening to this podcast knows it, but definitely explain it. <laughs> if you don't know, um, when Taylor Swift first went to Travis Kelsey's like box to view one of his games, she posed with a fan for a photo 
a Swifty fan account, posted it. You can see Taylor's plate of food on the side. It's one chicken tender with ketchup and what the Swifty fan account called seemingly ranch. It was a white condiment. I mean, I think (laughs) the internet and like (laughs) every brand by extension were kind of going crazy over the seemingly ranch comment. Although as journalists, I feel like that is exactly how it should have been described yeah it I mean, was she could not confirm that it was ranch you don't so, know it could have been blue cheese we exactly don't know. exactly so every brand started talking about like how to tweet something or post something about the seemingly ranch i mean there was hidden valley was changing its social media handles to seemingly ranch <laughs> um primal kitchen made a seemingly ranch product. Heinz made a seemingly ranch product. It was a lot, but it was kind of, it kind of felt like a cheap shot at trying to align with Taylor Swift and Swifties, um, which is why I was very happy about what Spotify did for its announcement that she was their global top artist. What do I have to say about this? <laughs> Bailey wrote about a five-page story about yeah. it. So if you want to read it, it's on campaignlive.com. <laughs> I mean, the announcement could have been nothing, right? I mean, it's like she's had the biggest year ever. Of course, she was going to be the global top artist of Spotify. Um, but Spotify, like, engaged Swifties in a really interesting way. They um, dotted the world with these billboards that had, like very close up like photos of one aspect of the final campaign, which you probably wouldn't be able to understand that it was Taylor Swift unless you were an online Swifty. Like you wouldn't know that like a black snake is anything unless you know it to be from the reputation era (laughs) and you know it to be Karen. Karen the snake. Karen the snake. But it, it was like a bunch of little like, puzzle pieces that Swifties had to work together to find. They had to figure out what it was from. They actually seemed to think it was an announcement of what Taylor Swift was doing next. They thought it came from her own camp, which I think is very interesting. It engaged their want to hunt things down. And then when the final image came out, it was this huge like conglomeration of every like, like obscure Taylor Swift references and like kind of on the nose ones like you'll see a street sign for Cornelia Street that's a song that is pretty popular but you won't necessarily know about some of the other things that are in this image unless you're very online and very much obsessed with Taylor Swift so I think it was a good like which I I knew all of them not really I did have to I mean people were doing like deep dives of what was going on. Yeah. I I feel like it really spoke to the Swifty audience because they're so into like decoding her songs and finding hidden meetings and finding Easter eggs and like creating this lore about her. So they clearly were like listening to the audience when they created that. And, and I feel like that that's why it worked. Yeah. And then the people at Spotify that I was talking to were all like, yeah, Taylor Swift was my top artist too. Like, I'm also a Swifty. Are you a Swifty? I can kind of tell from what you're saying. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, me too. I they totally had, understand. They had Swifties on the inside. There were so many Swifties on staff, I'm sure, which, good. 
that's my spiel. <laughs> that's like infiltrating. I don't even know, like your competitor enemy. Like it's just the the Swifty gang is too strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like with the seemingly ranch thing, and like all these brands trying to say they're in their blank era to like try to get some hype from the eras tour. It was kind of like, okay, you're going to understand that if you're on the internet because people are like, this is just going viral on the internet right now. But like these little Taylor Swift Easter eggs in Spotify's image were like, they went they, deep. Yeah. They were like specifically yeah. for Swifties. They weren't just like a reaction to what was going on on the internet. Yeah, for sure. I would argue that like the stuff around Taylor Swift was definitely probably some of the most notable work this year. Like, I just think they really tapped into culture and and her growth and even like the Beyonce thing, you know, people that were talking about the Renaissance tour and like silver and things like there was a lot of fandoms around certain artists this year Mm -hmm. that really grew and like brands tapped into that. So I would say Taylor Swift is just like the prime example, but there were other artists as well. So for sure. Yeah. And it, it aligns well with the return of live concerts, live entertainment, I think brands really seized on that passion for people to get back out there and see some of these big shows. So they did a good job. Yeah. Speaking of another color of the year is metallic silver because of Beyonce. Beyonce. Oh yeah. Renaissance. She sparked a lot of metallic silver sales. Yeah, for sure. A couple more highlights that were for the better this year. Tinder, it starts with a swipe. I covered this campaign. I don't know about you guys, but I saw these ads everywhere. You went a little wild and took your Tinder date home. To meet your entire family. It starts with a swipe. Tinder. And I think it was really nicely done the way that they tapped into like basically Gen Z you know, and their dating habits and, and just the way that they approach like the dating scene. And, um, you know, I think it was it was built on these like insights of what do you want out of your partner? And I, I remember having like a really interesting conversation when I was interviewing Tinder about this campaign where they said that some of the insights came from like, you know, a comment made by a Gen Z coworker at a bar where they were saying they want someone to like, you know, share their TikTok for you page with or that understands their TikTok for you page. And I feel like that's so true to the way that Gen Z sees like partnership. Um, It was also very like diverse. They highlighted different kinds of relationships, you know, biracial relationships, uh, heterosexual, homosexual relationships, um, and, you know, different, just different ways to approach like co-living and all these other things that you do with your partner, you know, everyone's relationship is unique and different and that's very personal. So I think they really touched on that. And then they were everywhere. I mean, there were out of home ads, digital ads, like it was just everywhere. Yeah. I feel like they definitely get, did a good job of um, appealing to the next generation of daters who don't necessarily like subscribe to like monogamy or aren't heterosexual or maybe even aren't homosexual. They're somewhere in between. So I feel like they did a really good job of of representing that. Yeah. Gen Z also doesn't like using dating apps as much. So I think it was a good way to reintroduce Tinder to an audience that might not be like wanting to use a dating app or think of it as the first way to find a potential new partner. Yeah. And also something that was interesting about this ad was that like they said that 
part of the reason for creating this campaign was because they knew that like Tinder had a reputation of being like a hookup app. Mm -hmm. And so they were trying to reframe that, which I think it's clever and wise to like lean into the rumor a little bit and and try to like take control of that narrative with this instead of like, you know, trying to be the PR machine. So, yeah, that was that was definitely a highlight this year just because they were so involved and so front facing with this campaign. And then finally, I think another one that was a memorable campaign of the year for the better was uh, Popcorners, Super Bowl ad. What are these? We call them Popcorners. Say their name. <laughs> Popcorners. Time, time, time! Yeah! How much of this stuff do you have? We've got six signature flavors, y'all. Seven! You make seven! Seven. Seven works. Yeah. Popcorners break into something good. We're gonna eat a lot of snacks together. <laughs> I mean, did you guys watch Breaking Bad? I did. I watched yeah. the whole thing. I thought, again, like the um, Mean Girls ad, they did a really good job with like not compromising the storyline. I thought, you know, replacing popcorners for meth was hilarious and bold of them to get Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul to do the ad is huge. Um, that that ad won a lot at our campaign U.S. Big Awards this year because it was really great. So I was a fan. Yeah, my jury that I was um, moderating were obsessed with this ad. They were like, no complaints. This was a great ad. Like we were saying with the Mean Girls ad, like it felt so true to the story mm -hmm. that anyone would want to watch this. And it introduced yeah. people to Popcorners, which I love. I love Popcorners. Popcorners they're are so yeah, good. They're good. This is not sponsored. <laughs> this is not sponsored by Popcorners, but if you want to sponsor us, I can put you in touch with our sales team. <laughs> <laughs> Talking a little bit about memorable campaigns of the year for the worse. I will let Bailey start off with this one. Okay, so... <laughs> Starting off strong with Bud Light's botched Dylan Mulvaney partnership. I don't think I need to really explain what happened because this has been what has been talked about a so lot this year. It's basically the story of the year. Yeah, basically. Um, I mean, pretty much an, like a one-off Bud Light partnership and Bud Light sending Dylan Mulvaney a can with her face on it to celebrate her one year anniversary of beginning her transition got turned into just I don't even know how to explain what the reaction from like conservative pundits was it was a very like vocal minority who were very disturbed by Dylan Mulvaney getting a partnership I guess with a brand that they like purely because she's trans it led to not the partnership itself, but Bud Light's and AB and Bev's reaction to the backlash is what kind of led to the hole it's kind of taking itself out of now. Um, yeah, they, they kind of polarized both sides because they partnered with her, which some people didn't like, and then they walked it back, which a lot of people didn't like. Yeah. So now they pissed off the conservatives, they pissed off the liberals, and AB and Bev is still hurting financially because of it. So 
This was basically like a 101 of what not to do when you're partnering with a marginalized influencer. Yeah. And I mean, it resulted in basically a trend of silence during Pride Month and likely triggered brands to pull back in their own like political or social messaging overall this year. I mean, the biggest example from Pride Month was Target pulling a collaboration with a trans designer and also putting its pride displays in less visible areas in some stores, specifically in the South, um, after protesters of the collection's right to exist basically threatened store employees and conservative pundits like Megyn Kelly got really up in arms about specifically Target's tuck-friendly swimsuits for women, which just provide extra coverage. It was a lot. <laughs> and it kind of like yeah. sparked a bigger backlash than just AB and Bev because now we see a lot of brands just not really getting into social issues because of it. Um, mm-hmm. Across the board, LGBTQ or, or otherwise. So it really put a chill on this whole like brands as social advocates space, which is, I don't know if it's for better or for worse, because sometimes brands are not always necessarily dedicated to what they say. But yeah, it was pretty uh, earth shattering, I would say. I think it kind of showed who, what, like which brands were doing like politically or socially minded advertising because it was good for business and who was doing it because they cared about the groups that they were talking for. Yeah. I would also say, you know, it's, it's definitely very telling and people have noticed that, you know, in 2020 people or brands capitalized on the black lives matter movement and now are very quiet on other issues. Um, So yeah, definitely an example of what not to do, probably definitely the worst memorable campaign of the year, I would argue. Um, And then we had a couple of others, like we had the KFC fried chicken ad, which, you know, Bailey, you can talk to that one a little bit. And then uh, Popeye's girls dinner. (laughs) Yeah. So KFC Canada actually um, released a campaign that was basically apologizing to utensils that were left behind, like as customers, like were just like intent on eating their chicken. Finger licking good chicken. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there was a one minute like video ad spot that was set to All Out of Love by Air Supply. And it was just like all these families like scrambling to get their hands on their chicken. Um, But the out of home billboards were the issue because they cast only black talent um, showing them eating their finger licking good chicken through the like reflection of an abandoned utensil um but since only black talent was cast it a lot of people who came across this felt like it played into this racist fried chicken stereotype that harkens back to american slavery um like the video was very diverse and very representative but the out of home spots were just like problematic and then just soured everyone on the whole campaign yeah and people were just kind of like how did this get through so many rounds were there black people in the room and how much were you paying attention to what they were saying because I mean I think that anyone would have pointed this out I think this is a perfect example of like when you do a campaign you need to make sure that all the elements can stand on their own 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like if if every individual element is not appropriate or acceptable, then you need to revisit the whole campaign, because I think, you know, KFC's response, if I recall, was to direct people to the one minute video and be like, hey, look how different the video looks. But that doesn't change the fact that on a billboard, when I walk past it, if this is what I see, I'm thinking of the stereotype. So, yeah, that was definitely another negatively memorable ad. Then we also have Popeye's Girl Dinner, which I can talk a little bit about that one. Um, This one caused controversy because it was based on the girl dinner trend on TikTok that basically kind of suggests that girls tend to eat smaller, like not nutritious meals as sort of like a, almost like a lazy dinner. So usually that consists of sides, right? So like chicken nuggets or French fries or small bowls of fruit, like not necessarily a full holistic meal. Popeyes leaned into the trend. They thought it would be funny. So they kind of um, on their app and website created a girl dinner page, landing page that was full of sides. And this didn't land too well for certain people because there were um, arguments made on social media that this could inadvertently push um, eating disorders or like, you know, meals that are not nutritious and um, could cause people to undereat. And so it kind of backfired in the long term because while it was funny in the beginning and people initially reacted positively, afterwards they were like, hey, this is actually not appropriate. Yeah, I feel like they did this before public opinion was like fully formed on girl dinner as a concept. Like it was quirky and funny, but then people started pointing out the very real consequences of thinking that this is okay. I think it kind of shows the struggle that brands are in to move so fast Mm -hmm. on these trends. And like, because if you don't move fast enough, you're, it's lame, right? Like you're, you're, you're done, but then you move too fast. You don't wait for public opinion to play out and something like this can happen. Yeah. And it was also just sides. Like you could also call this like the herbivore menu because it's what I would be ordering from if I was eating at Popeye's because I don't (laughs) because I don't eat meat so I don't know it would have been funnier if it was like specifically curated for like the girl dinner trend if it was like half a piece of chicken and like a handful of fries Mm -hmm. or something but like that's not feasible right so maybe it just like wasn't worth it to wade into this Yeah, definitely a mess in the long term, I think. To your point, maybe it's better to wait for public opinion to start forming before diving right in. But again, it speaks to the challenge of trying to be quick on these things. I want to add one more. I think um, we can't close out the year without talking about the rebranding from Twitter to X, which. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't even really know where to begin (laughs) on this one. Um, Bad idea. I mean, you know, personal Feelings aside um, about Elon Musk and the things he says, I feel like this was a just a terrible rebrand. Like, why would you do away with years of equity that Twitter had? That bird is literally everywhere. It is part of our vocabulary. Tweeting like people still call it tweeting. And I just feel like to erase the equity of a brand like that so quickly is I don't know. I don't know if uh, that's necessary. I mean, I think the platform is so well-known um that it it kind of and he's so famous that it kind of worked out for him people now call it x and whatever but 
Um, I just feel like that was, you know, kind of like deciding you're going to rename like Coca-Cola or something like it just really does away with a lot of brand equity. So and I mean, it's is it sticking because Elon will actually call it Twitter sometimes? Like, yeah, like even Elon calls it Twitter. Yeah, it's so like deeply ingrained in the culture, like it's in songs, it's in films, it's in TV shows. People are talking about Twitter and tweeting and you can't just like yeah. mix that. So I think he's going for like a scorched earth kind of thing. And I think it's working. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. RIP Twitter. That's all I can say. <laughs> I still call it Twitter. Okay. I will always call it Twitter. <laughs> It'll always be Twitter. So, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of recaps like our most memorable campaigns of the year. And, you know, looking ahead, First and foremost, we want to hear about your New Year's resolutions. I think 2024 is going to be an interesting year for campaign, which we'll have a little recap story about campaigns year coming out. And we're also working on some New Year's resolutions with agencies. So if you want to share your resolution, drop us a line. But, you know, we're, we're going to have a couple of interesting things on the campaign front. We're also going to have our first conference. And then, of course, in 2024, we're looking at Super Bowl. So... We already have some news up. We have our barometers one, two, and three out, thanks to our premium content editor, Lisa Lacey. And um, just to recap, Pringles, Hellman's, Temu, BMW, Oreo, AB and Bev are all returning to the Super Bowl. And then we have Duolingo, Bet, MGM, and Open Door as first times advertisers next year. And the people who are not going are actually quite interesting. So we have GM's entire portfolio, including Ford and Hyundai, which might have something to do with the recent strikes. Who knows? Could be. They're tight lipped, but I suspect that might have something to do. Um, And then we also have Chipotle, Acura, CarMax, Honda, Sonos, City, Wendy's, It's a 10 Hair Care, and Polestar have all confirmed they are not going to be returning, which these are some pretty big brands. So it'll be interesting. A lot of car brands. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Maybe they're revamping, repositioning in terms of EVs and all of that. So we'll see what comes out. And then, you know, this year's Super Bowl is going to be aired by Paramount. So it'll include a CBS broadcast. But one thing that I find particularly interesting come 2024 is there will be a Spanish language stream on Televisa, Televisa Univision. So... That's pretty cool because there are some Latino football fans, you know, American football, not the real football. (laughs) So it's good to include that audience. I think, you know, it's refreshing to see that brands are also taking them into consideration more. I had reported on that when I went to the new fronts and or upfronts. Can't remember which one, but people were really excited about it. So that'll be coming in 2024. So lots of exciting stuff. Yeah. It's kind of wild that this is going to be the first year of that. Like, come on, guys. Well, it just shows the (laughs) growth of the Hispanic market in the U.S. is going to be, which is going to be another huge uh, focus for marketers next year, I think. Yeah. But, you know, I will say it's not too little too late, but (laughs) it's better late than never. Uh, But (laughs) never late is better. Um, So... You know, we'll we'll see how this plays out. Hopefully they do a good service on this platform as well and don't just like translate their English language ads. We'll be watching. Yeah, we'll be watching. The ads, not the game. 
<laughs> I'll be watching the game too. <laughs> Unless Taylor is in the box. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.